Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Shai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live this week from Texas. I'm on the road in Texas. That's right. And um, I should be going to sleep now because I've been traveling for 36 hours, but I think it it's, would be just great if we could just get out of show uh, here uh, in this uh, in this. You know, they call it, everybody Everybody in the world calls their land God country, right? Uh, but I like to say that Texas is a place that, that really does have a lot of spirituality, a lot of searching for spirituality. Uh, and therefore, you know, uh, when people seek out God, uh, he is found there. And that's why I'm here to talk about God and to talk about Israel. Um, speaking of Israel, uh, a great Israeli and a great Jew, a hero has passed away. His name was Shai Ish Shalom. He was one of the commandos. Uh, who flew to Entebbe, Uganda, and rescued the hijacked uh, the hijacked airplane uh, and all the hostages, uh, the over 100 hostages that were uh, held in the airport in Uganda. Uh, later, that operation was renamed uh, Operation Yonatan to remember uh, Yoni Netanyahu, who fell there. Uh, Shai Shalom... Uh, I just saw an image of him as I was leaving Israel because there was a picture in the airport of the uh, Mercedes-Benz that they used as cover uh, to uh, look like Idi Amin's, the the Ugandan leader's Mercedes-Benz. And reversing out of there was uh, one of the guys that was there, one of the fighters. His name was Shai Shalom. Uh, I knew Shai Shalom. Um, because I trained at Caliber 3, and I had the great merit of training with him one time fully and then another time a little bit, but just I, I always looked for him, and I always thought he, just, uh, he was one of those people that you just, you just wanted to be close to him, just physically, you just wanted to hear him, hear his voice, feel his hands, see his movements. I'll never forget this, his movements. And we're talking about a guy who, when I saw him, he was at least 60 years old. Uh, this great Shai Shalom recently passed away. One of the enduring memories of Shai Shalom is the great interview that I had a chance to do for Jewish Press on video with Shai Shalom. And this was edited by uh, our own Yochevet Seidman. And this video did very well throughout the years. And uh, here's the man and the story behind Entebbe and his, uh, and his a fighter, a fighter of the Jewish people and why he was a fighter. Listen to the depth of what it is to be an Israeli fighter. Here is, without further ado, Shai Shalom. May your memory be a blessing. One of the most famous uh, events of Jewish heroics in recent Jewish history is Operation Entebbe, which was the counter-terrorist hostage rescue mission carried out by the IDF at Entebbe Airport in Uganda on the 4th of July, 1976. A week earlier... Uh, an Air France plane was taken with 248 passengers. It was hijacked by members of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine and also German revolutionary cells. And it was flown to Entebbe. And uh, all non-Israelis, all non-Israeli passengers were released, except for one French citizen. And uh, the IDF acted on intelligence provided by the Mossad, uh, prepared a plan uh, to to take over with military strike uh, against uh, the hostage takers and the Ugandan military troops, which took part in the uh, in 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 the hostage crisis as well, and the operation took place at night. And Israeli transport planes carried about a hundred commandos over two thousand five hundred miles, four thousand kilometers, to Uganda for the rescue operation. Um, it took a week of planning. The whole thing lasted only 90 minutes, where 102 hostages were rescued, five Israeli commandos were wounded, and one, the commander, Lieutenant Colonel Yonatan Netanyahu, was killed. He's the brother of Benjamin Netanyahu. All the hijackers were killed, and also 45 Ugandan soldiers were killed. 30 uh, Soviet-built MiG-17s and 21s of the Ugandan Air Force were destroyed. Three hostages, sadly, were also killed in the operation, and 24 hours later, a fourth Israeli hostage was killed by Ugandan army officers at a nearby hospital. The operation is known as Operation Thunderbolt, or Operation Yonatan, uh, to commemorate Yoni Netanyahu. We're going to hear an interview now with one of the people who was a young soldier from Sayeret Matkal, the elite Israeli unit, who actually took part in the operation. And this interview took place 
itself in a fascinating place, not all the way out in Uganda, but in the foothills of Efrat at a fantastic uh, tactical range where it's a self-defense school, a shooting school, uh, a first uh, responders anti-terrorist school. And this man that you're going to hear from is an instructor there at this range called Caliber 3. All right, folks, I am here at Caliber 3 on the outskirts of Efrat. This is one of Israel's premier security training institutions. It is for civilian and military and paramilitary, i.e. security teams uh, in Judea and Samaria. This is where they get the best training, everything from how to use weapons, how to defend oneself, hand-to-hand combat, and really getting what we call in Israel to be professional, to really professionalize uh, the abilities, because response times are are measured in nanoseconds, and not in minutes, and not in a long time to aim. They're measured at super quick intervals between uh, the terrorist getting the best of you, or you getting the best of a terrorist. We have an expression in Judaism that says, He who arises to kill you, you get up just a little bit earlier to get them first. And I'm standing here with a man who is one of Israel's very best, and that makes him one of the world's very best, uh, counter-terrorist security trainers, uh, who himself had a, has a long past in uh, security forces, special operations, has been injured many times uh, in the line of duty for Israel. And his name is, uh, uh, paradoxically and humorously, Shai Ish Shalom. His family name means a man of peace. And I'm sure that uh, to him, it, it, there's no contradiction, there's no paradox, because being... Uh, uh, ready for war lets you be peaceful, or, or wanting peace comes with being prepared for war. Shai Shalom, a few minutes about yourself. Uh, to tell us about uh, how, how does a person, an Israeli, and that's what you are very much to me, an Israeli, how does an Israeli come about to become one of the world's best security experts? Where, where does that come in the Israeli soul? My generation grew up uh, after the Holocaust. My generation grew up while uh, Arab countries and terrorists and uh, armies uh, surrounded us, and uh, we were very insecure. Meaning, when I reached the army, and it was after Yom Kippur War, 73, the notion of a kibbutz member, kibbutz, that my father founded Hanit at the age of 38, um, I remember the, one of the Holocaust days, Memorial Days, when I'm feeling very, very, very blue every Holocaust day. Why? Because I feel that's something to remember. That's something that I must avoid with all my essence from happening again. And I remember in the elite unit I served, sitting in the tent in a very, very um, difficult uh, after very difficult training, uh, very blue like I, I always am, but I see my members quite the same. Nobody was talking about it before. And I asked one of my mates, Ami, what's going on? He said, no, everything's okay. No, no, you're blue. No, I'm fine. So I initiated saying, I'm blue because this is the Holocaust day and I joined Sayyid Matkal only because this will not happen again to the Jewish people as long as I can contribute my best. And he said, I was ashamed to talk about it, but the same and all the people around said the same. This is the essence. Meaning, any person who admits to be Jewish doesn't matter religious, this kind or this kind, non-religious, but Israel uh, um, um, he cares for. Uh, if anybody shoots now from here, you know where will I be? I'll be getting the bullet for you, because this is my essence. Now, we must train best in order to, when you reach uh, the, um, the real time, your ability drops within 40 to 60% to your best ability in training. So train hard because you are going to drop very, very low. Speaking about Calibre 3, 
um, uh, this is one of the six schools for security authorized by the Israeli police and Israeli army and the Israeli special forces to train very specialized uh, um, bodies. Uh, we are all coming from the battlefields. Some of us are high rank like me, I'm a colonel, Sharon is a colonel, and I'm already old. Um, I'm not in the army anymore. Uh, in my time, it's Tzionut, as I called, to take a guy, Rafi, and make him in six days a good security, a proper security guard. And I give him my heart, it will ache him. I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to put him on the ground. I'm going up just for him when and if the time comes, I know I gave him my best. This is your note. All of us feel bad once anything happens involving Israeli forces and we did not participate in. And we know that it can bring us to die. And we're willing to die. Meaning we, we, we're not taking the step to get into dangerous action uh, uh, on the whole. No, no, if it deserves uh, uh, me getting hurt or that, no, 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 this I did not know. We know that's what it takes. So we're ready to take it. So one of the uh, many uh, battlefields that you experienced was the famous Entebbe battle. Uh, there are stories that you can tell us, and there are stories you can't tell us, uh, but you were part of the unit that uh, had the um, great audacity to fly halfway around the world and to rescue those hostages uh, that had been taken a week before. It happens to be that I was born on the day that it was uh, taken, and my breed was on the day of your operation. And I just want to ask you for a few words. I know you can't talk about everything, and I know that you had only your perspective on, on the battle, but just a few words about that, because for so many of us, it is, um, not only is it a, a ray of hope, but it says that the state of Israel will protect the Jewish people around the world. That's, that's the message of Entebbe. What can you tell me about, about what you remember? Look, the... the Terrorists started at the early 70s after the Munich um, 72 uh, Olympics. They started to uh, uh, hijack planes. At the beginning, they intended to hijack planes and and uh, um, uh, to uh, explode. to explode them over Tel Aviv, over Jerusalem to make. Then they started. They they can't make it. They started to hijack planes in order to uh, um, uh, to ask things, okay, to demands. After Sabena, what they did here, and they landed here, they hijacked uh, this plane of Air France and hijacked it to Antebe. Now, you probably know that uh, Uganda was a best friend of Israel about five years before. They trained with us, we trained them there, we made the agriculture, we made the hospital, they uh, graduated our universities and so on, and then Idi Amin, something evolved and he decided that we are his enemies. Okay. I remember on the day of the hijack, I told some of my mates, this is the time for us to make plans. This is the time. And I was just a junior, not nothing. And apparently they did. Now, it wasn't a, um, an operation of one unit. There were four units, each one on other device. There was only one stage very dangerous in that operation, Namely, too, this was the time when uh, the planes with the warriors were not covered by Israeli planes. 20 minutes from Nairobi to uh, uh, Antebbe. Um, of course, Eret Matkal was in charge of the main thing of uh, uh, taking uh, the hostages, freeing the hostages. There was more fuss with this force, uh, with the... Uh, um, uh, New uh, uh, terminal, there was Wisagi uh, uh, and uh, Matan on the Air Force base and so on. So 
some of us came by the plane, some of us came by the Mossad, doesn't matter, and we carried it out, and no vanity, no, no sense of I'm better than anybody else, and so on. We just did what we did, because as I said before, I'm willing to give my life for, for you, even though I don't know you, because this is my nature. This is my, that's what I'm getting paid for. Okay, that's my... Uh, so, uh, it was very narrow. Everyone had only a narrow uh, perspective. I know that my time, uh, free hostages, nothing really exciting. Nothing I can say, okay, now I'll see. We came in, we did our job, we were accurate. 99% of the success of this, um, um, of this operation lies within luck. Well, within luck, not because we're good. It was could easily be catastrophical. But as a Jew, we're willing to take the risk because we won't let any Holocaust happen again. This is all I can say. That was 1976. Today is 2012. There's a lot of uh, people that come here from all over the world. A lot of Jews that come here from the diaspora. And within a few minutes, few hours they get to feeling that they're more Israeli, that they're more able to defend themselves, which is part of the ethos of Zionism. And, and it gives them a sense that they're part of the story more, that they can defend themselves like they haven't been able to maybe 2,000 years. That's the last thing I want to ask you about. What does that feel like to you from Entebbe to today, 2012, here working at Calibur 3, giving people that confidence, that firepower to be a Jew in the land of Israel? I think that uh, you're confusing something. When Israel was counting few Jews, few, very few Jews, everyone knew someone who knew you. Meaning, there was no way that you could say, okay, I won't do it and nobody knows. Everybody knew. So we had to be very... Now the... Um, it's our fault. We took our children and said, okay, I had such a bad time, not bad time, such a tough time. Let's, uh, how will I say it? Let's keep it away from them. Yeah. So that's what we do. We suddenly, we accuse him and him and him and him, and we don't let our children cope. Now, when they have to cope, they don't know how to do it because we always covered for them. So when I'm here, and I'm taking the youngsters and showing them it's their responsibility and be tough. Nobody will come for your rescue, only yourself. No father, no mother, not you. And when a, a tourist come and I'm telling him from the States, from France, from wherever, telling him, are you feeling risky? We're under risk. Either you leave the place and come here because here it's safe. Either you start organizing your people in order to feel safe there. But don't cry. Don't cry. It's your choice. Nobody else's. So my part and our part is to let a Jew or every human being be a human being and take responsibility for his existence. Me? I'm not aggressive. I'm, I love people. I love music. I love children. I love everything. Why? Because I don't need it. In my toolbox, there lies the aggressiveness. As soon as I need it, in no time I have it. I don't need it. I don't need it. Once I don't have it, I'm afraid to use it. I'm going to use, either not use it when necessary, either use it when not necessary. So I'm trying to teach people to get set, to get into aggressiveness when needed in order to save lives. Not, not more than that. So the tourists from the diaspora come in first of all you must know it's safe here for Jews you must know the safest place on earth for Jews but if you want to be a Jew and be in the diaspora and you don't feel safe make it safe for yourself and it's easy to do easy to do either or come here Shai Shalom from Sayyid Matkal to Caliber 3, 57 years old. You already have children also in special units here in the army. And uh, one grandchild. <laughs> Mazal Tov, and thank you so much for all you do. Toda lachem, and uh, may, I, may we see you only in good times. Amen. <laughs>
All right, folks, that was my interview with Shai E. Shalom, formerly of Sayert Matkal, and today one of the top instructors at Caliber 3, which is a counterterrorism school uh, with a full uh, range, uh, shooting range for live fire. Amazing, amazing stuff that you learn, self-defense, Jewish defense. Very impressive place. It's in the outskirts of uh, Efrat. you got to check it out and, and get out there and shoot. I do believe, I do believe that when you get out there and you feel uh, in your hands the possibility of being a Jewish hero and protector, and I'm talking for men and women alike, it is an amazing feeling, and it really empowers you to be a, something more of a, a fuller Jew, a more organic Jew, a more total Jew. All right, to me, it's emotional to listen to that interview and to realize that Shai is not with us uh, any longer. Uh, that interview was done for Jewish Press. JewishPress.com is one of the websites I really recommend people check out, and they proudly host the Yishai Fleischer Show, uh, as does JNS.org, another website that I highly, highly recommend that you check out for your weekly Diet of information from the land of Israel. I use those websites. I recommend them as well. JNS.org, JewishPress.com. Um, and uh, speaking of websites uh, of information, we all know Fox News. Uh, my good friend Zev Orenstein of City of David uh, went on Fox News to talk about the uh, the furthering of discoveries in the Siloam pool, the Shiloach, uh, that was really the giant pool that prepared people to go up to the Temple Mount. There's been more discoveries there, and my good friend Zev, uh, who I'm so uh, proud of and impressed with, uh, and is doing a great job of showing the world that Jerusalem is not just the capital of Israel, but is the spiritual capital of the world. Uh, he was on Fox, and so let's hear Zev on Fox News about the Siloam Pool. An ancient site, which is sacred to several religions, continues to be excavated, revealing structures that haven't been seen in 2,000 years. The Pool of Siloam in Jerusalem is a site where Jesus is said to have given a blind man sight. And over the past few weeks, archaeologists have unearthed a set of eight steps descending into the pool. You're looking at that there. The Director of International Affairs for the City of David Foundation, Zev Orenstein, joins us. Zev, uh, this is fascinating and really uh, unbelievable news for, and perhaps the greatest news, as they say, the good news in the Bible. But explain to us how this came about and, and, and why it's important. Well, it came about back in 2004 when, as a result of a busted sewage pipe, uh, the municipality of Jerusalem had to send in construction crews to repair the sewage pipe. But Jerusalem is not just another municipality, and the city of David, the historic site of biblical Jerusalem, is not just another place in Jerusalem. And so here you don't only send in construction crews, they send in archaeologists as well. And the archaeologists began to hear scraping and scratching. It didn't sound right. Uh, and it turned out that they found a, sit, a series of steps going back some 2,000 years to the time of Jesus uh, that they discovered led down to the ancient pool of Siloam, which is one of the most significant biblical heritage sites in all of Jerusalem with significance not to millions, but to billions. And over the last couple of weeks where the excavations have been going on in earnest, excavating a site that is about the size of two Olympic-sized swimming pools, archaeologists had discovered a series of steps that had not been seen in 2,000 years leading down into the pool. And again, you could imagine the likes of whom 2,000 years ago uh, would have been uh, going to the pool, standing on those steps. Uh, you're talking about millions of people in the time when the temple stood on the Temple Mount would have been using the pool as an ancient ritual bath. And so this is a site that as we continue digging, we will unearth. Uh, God willing, the entirety of the Pool of Siloam. Such an important discovery. And just for our viewers that understand, you've got um, the, you know, the, the Temple Mount, the wall. You head south, and you're kind of looking at an aerial here. You head south through what was traditional City of David, and then just in the southern part of the City of David is where this pool is located. And ultimately, uh, millions, if not billions, of tourists could actually go now and walk those, uh, trace those steps and have something that we haven't seen in 2,000 years. 
That's right. Today, visitors coming to the city of David and in years to come will be able not only to visit the entirety of the Pool of Siloam, but archaeologists with the Israel Antiquities Authority are also excavating the pilgrimage road, the biblical superhighway, the road that would have taken the millions of pilgrims from the Pool of Siloam at the southern end of the city of David all the way up to the footsteps of the Temple Mount, the western wall, the southern steps. Uh, we are, in fact, unearthing as we speak the most significant half on the planet. There is no half mile that means more to more people that affirms Jerusalem's biblical heritage, not simply as a matter of faith, but as a matter of fact. And obviously living in a time where so much of uh, biblical heritage is, is being uh, questioned to be able to be unearthing all of this uh, historical heritage and antiquity that shows that whether for Jews or Christians, uh, that you could see it, you could touch it, you could walk on it. That really our heritage in Jerusalem going back thousands of years, not simply a matter of faith, but a matter of fact being unearthed here in the city of David. It, it's just incredible to imagine Zev, that, you know, when you look, the references from John 9, it reads, he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. We can read those words in the Bible and now go and stand literally at that location. What's next in this project? Uh, what's next in this project is to complete the excavation of the Pool of Siloam, to see what uh, ancient treasures are going to be unearthed, to complete the excavation uh, of the pilgrimage road. And once we finish that excavation, uh, that half mile will be among the great wonders of the world alongside the pyramids, the Colosseum. The only difference being that the pyramids and the Colosseum are a chapter of history once upon a time, whereas for the Pool of Siloam and the pilgrimage road in the city of David, the people who will visit it in a few years' time, they're, this, they're descendants of the, their ancestors who share the same faith, in many cases spoke the same language, had the same customs, traditions, and festivals as their ancestors did, did thousands of years ago. These discoveries are not just a piece of history, but the continuation of our shared story here in the city of David, the place where Jerusalem began. And Zev, just in the 15 seconds left I've got, what's this mean to you personally? Uh, it's exciting to be a part of a, of a story that's bigger than ourselves, to be a part of uh, bringing a story to life that has significance, not for millions, but for, for billions. It's a big responsibility, and it's also a big privilege, and the best is truly yet to come. Zev Ornstein in the City of David Foundation. Well done. We look forward to see this come to fruition. Thanks, Zev. Have a great Labor Day. All right. Thank you, Zev. That was awesome. And thank you, Fox, for covering such important stuff. And Bezrat Hashem, you know, Jerusalem is becoming the, as I said, the spiritual capital of the world. People are interested in it. People want to know more uh, about it. Uh, I do recommend that you check out Jerusalem and its environs by cycling around Jerusalem with koshercycletours.com. They do a great job of taking you in professionalism and in beautiful vistas. And they do around the world and in Israel, but wow, to, to cycle around Jerusalem what an amazing thing. So that's Kosher Cycle Tours. And you might get hungry along the way. So check out prohibitionpickle.co.il. The folks at Prohibition Pickle make things yummy and special. And I've got personally uh, a Prohibition Pickle package coming to me. Say Prohibition Pickle package three times fast. And then, and then you know, I would have done my job. So Prohibition Pickle package is coming to me uh, because one of my listeners, I'm excited. I haven't, I haven't gotten all the information, but I think it's from Switzerland. I can't wait. All right, um, what else we got today? Well, I'm here in the United States because of uh, a speaking gig that I have to do here in Texas that I'm looking forward to, and also because uh, of the Route 60 Biblical Highway film that is coming out on September 18th and 19th. This is a film done by uh, Ambassador David Friedman and together with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And this movie's coming out in AMC theaters, like 1,600 theaters across the country. Uh, but a, but a, uh, a VIP preview release is being done at the Museum of the Bible. So I am here for that. Uh, the uh, story of the biblical highway is something that a Kodesh Baruch Hu put into my head, and I shared it with David Friedman, and it is becoming, uh, it is becoming a real, very serious thing. And Hashem is moving it forward very much. Uh, here is my talk on the great um, Israel Guys program on YouTube and on podcast. And the Israel Guys are doing a great job of uh, telling the story of Israel uh, through the eyes of Gentiles that live in the land of Israel. And my very good friend Josh Waller interviewed me about the Israel Biblical Highway. 
All right, guys, I'm back with uh, Yishai Fleischer, a great friend, international spokesperson for Hebron, Hebron in English. Uh, we're talking about something really, really, really important, and that is the biblical highway. Now, people may not know what the biblical highway is. A lot of people call it a really bland uh, name, up to date, and they call it Highway 60. So you've worked on a project of uh, reviving the ancient pathway of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the biblical characters of, uh, of the Bible, when you read the Bible, they all went on this one route. They're all, they, their feet went through that path. And so you're trying to revive this ancient pathway. Uh, tell us about this project of the uh, biblical highway. Book of Genesis is full of cities. It has cities that are named. Mm -hmm. And they're like Shechem, close by here, Shechem. Yeah. Uh, then it's going to be, Jerusalem is kind of mentioned in, in, a, in, in the hidden ways. Uh, but then you have Be Bethel, Beit El. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Bethlehem. Yep. You have uh, Hebron, of course, and Beersheba. Uh, and I just, as I love the book of Genesis, as everybody should here, we've got to right. read the book of Genesis, okay? Yeah. Read the book of Genesis. That's my it's advice. It's like foundations. Let's yeah. start at the beginning. That's yeah. right. Yeah, okay. Read the book of Genesis. Know the book of Genesis. You'll understand everything right. from there. And so uh, I started teaching classes about the seven holy cities, uh, which were, which were, Beersheba, Beersheba, mm -hmm. uh, Hebron, yep. Bethlehem, three before Jerusalem, in the middle, Jerusalem, yep. and then Bethel, Bethel, Shiloh, Shiloh, mm -hmm. and Shechem, Shechem, okay? Seven holy cities, Jerusalem in the, in the middle, and really the most of the Bible happened right along this route. And so I was like looking at it, I'm like, this is on one road. Right. Today it's called Route 60. One road, which is, which is it was obvious to me, the biblical highway. People sometimes like to call it the Patriarch's Highway. I was like, this is a bad brand, okay? Because, first thing, nobody likes patriarchy today. And also, it's not fair to talk about patriarchs when you have patriarchs and matriarchs. Right. And when you have mamas and papas. And on top of that, I don't think that... That's not even being woke. That's just being respectful. Like, you got to oh, talk about the patriarchs. When you, you talk about patriarchs. patriarchs and matriarchs, you're not being woke. You're being conservative. You're being conservative. That's right. Okay? <laughs> That's right. Because some people don't know that it still takes mothers and fathers. fathers. See, we're being... See, I'm being conservative, <laughs> this actually. Is very conservative. I tell people all the time, like, no, 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 that's that's actually my conservative streak. Uh, in any case, uh, the biblical highway uh, is a road. Now, coming with my American background, I was like, this is an American-style idea. Because in America, when I was a kid... My parents took me on uh, to Shenandoah and Skyline Drive and all these famous roads, Route 80, whatever. And I learned about Route 66, which I've never been on, but it's a heritage highway. And I thought to myself, we need to rename this highway the Biblical Highway. Uh, we need to connect people to this to the idea that first thing, when you come to Israel, you can connect to the Bible. Wow. That's like so simple, and yet and yet it's not, and yet it's missing a lot of times. People don't know that the Bible happens on the land of Israel. When you come to the state of Israel to travel here. You're going to connect with the stories of the Bible. And so the idea was to create a, a, a touristic educational attraction that bypasses all the politics and all the issues. And it just says, forget forget about the conflicts, forget about Israelis and Arabs and all that. This is the biblical highway. It goes from Beersheba up to Shechem. It actually goes even north of Shechem right. uh, through the, first it goes through the Gilboa mountain range. That's where, that's where Saul fell. That's where Saul and his son Jonathan fell. Right. It goes into the uh, Jezreel Valley, Megiddo, uh, and also the Tavor, yep. and ends at Nazareth. So you have here wow. really a road that 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 is like all the Bible happens on this road. Wow! Uh, and so so the very simple idea was let's rename it, mm -hmm. let's uh, or add a name to it: the Biblical Highway, Route sixty, the Biblical Highway, and uh, let's also create uh, scenic overlooks for Americans. When I say scenic overlook, everybody's like, "Yeah, scenic overlook." But in Israel, it's not so common to think about that, that there's actually a drive off mm -hmm. and you're looking at it and you're understanding. And it goes to the mountain region. A large part of it cuts right to the Samaria, Judea mountain region of Israel. So Right. So the heart of it, of course, is Jerusalem, which is the capital, and also the heart of Judea and Samaria. And then you have Judea to the south of Jerusalem, Samaria to the north. So basically, it's like this. It's like a, para a, para a parabola, right? Is that the right. way you say it? So, uh, it, you know, it's it's just, it's it's uh, it's a desert region right. going up to the mountains yeah. and then coming down on the other side. So this would have been the ancient pathway that all the patriarchs uh, walked on. There's, and there's, matriarchs. And, See, and matriarchs. You need sorry, both sorry, of those. I got to get this right. We, okay. <laughs> we talked about yeah. this. Uh, all along the way in the ancient paths, this, this pathway would have been carved with springs, a pathway that was uh, passable back in the ancient days. Uh, where they would where would go, there's wells and springs of water that they would have uh, been able to refresh themselves along the way. So you're talking about bringing that up to date, a refreshing pathway uh, where people, tourists from around the world, 
because tourists right now are, when they come to tours in Israel, they're leaving out about 85% of the Bible sites. Right. And they're focusing on the, the you know, the, the, the modern Tel Aviv and these places. Which so, are also biblical, right? Yeah, that, like Jonah <laughs> happened in Jaffa, right? Like, right. These are also biblical. Yeah. Jericho, you know, these places are, are biblical. But uh-huh. the heartland, and it says it here, the biblical heartland. Bibl- you see that? Biblical the biblical heartland. heartland it, that's, that's lost a lot of times. So, but do you see this playing an integral part in the tourism of Israel and where you'd like to see it go? Tourism so and education. To make this more bibl- are we want right. to make it more educational and biblical, not a... Not a modern day. Is it, people know about Israel because of its ancient heritage. Right. So you're trying to bring it back. A lot of, of Israelis are trying to, to make Israel into like a, a startup, startup nation. Right. Trying, but most people, yeah, that's good. And it'll continue. And we're glad about that. But uh, I think with, where you're going with this is, is to connect everyone in the world to Israel's old, ancient principles. So-called Old Testament book of Genesis. Right. We don't call it the Old Testament. We call it the Torah. The Torah. So you got there Torah. You got, you got, got Torah. Torah. We call it the Torah. Uh, and and of course, the, the people around the world love the Bible. Mm-hmm. They love the Tanakh. Okay. And and therefore, that's what's going to connect yeah, them. Now, when you when you land in Australia, I've been to Australia twice. You land in Australia, you're like, oh, this is Australia, because wherever you go, you look. There's there's the they're selling you kangaroos, didgeridoos. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what what else is Australian? You know uh, what else is Australian? Uh, boomerangs, and, boomerangs and whatever. Right. You know you're in Australia when you land yeah. in Texas. You know you're in Texas. Mm-hmm. There's lassos and the cowboy hats and the whole thing. When you land in New Jersey, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm not dissing New Jersey. But when you land in New Jersey, you're like, it doesn't have a market. It doesn't have. Right. It doesn't have a brand. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a brand. Israel's got to have a brand. I'm not saying it's the only brand, but I'm saying, simply put, this is one of the most popular and important brands. If you allow me, also just one second, just very quickly, I can run through it. Explain to people the, what the what the brand of the biblical highway is. It's the seven. Let's do it, and then after you explain this, we're going to watch a little clip that you did. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Seven explain. cities. Very simple. Beersheba, Beersheba. That's where Abraham first set up his shop, his tent, to teach wayfarers about mm-hmm. the one God. Right. Okay. Hebron. That's the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs. It's still there today, uh, and it's also where King David had his first kingdom. Mm-hmm. Bethlehem. Important to Christians, but important to all people who love the the Bible in. King David's buried there. Ruth is 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 from there. She came there from Moab. Yep. The book of Ruth happened there in Bethlehem. Okay. Then you go up uh, to Jerusalem. Do I have to say other than the word Jerusalem? Two temples stood there. That's where that's where Abraham almost sacrificed his son Isaac. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we are working on the third temple. That's uh, right. right? And, Another show. And that's the first show. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then it's Bethel. Bethel. Yeah. That's where the dream of the ladder was. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where Jacob saw... Uh, a connection between heaven and earth. And that's also uh, where Jacob got another name, his super name, which is Israel. Jacob is his Clark Kent name, right? <laughs> when he takes off the Jacob shirt, underneath is Israel, right? Israel. That happened in Bethel. Shiloh, the tabernacle stood there mm-hmm. for 400 years. And that's where the story of Hannah and the birth of Samuel the prophet happened. And then finally, uh, Shechem or Shechem, lots of stories there. Um, including the place of the blessings and the curses that happened uh, when the Jewish people came into the land with Joshua. And then you go, as we said before, you go a little over the top back on the hills there, and you have the Gilboa Ridge. That's where Saul fell and, and Jonathan fell. And then you have the Jezreel Valley, Megiddo, and and uh, the, the beautiful Tavor. That's where the story of Devorah, the prophetess. And finally, for, for Christian folks, it's important also in Nazareth. So mm-hmm. you, have, you, have, you have so much of the right Bible... On, on one one highway. Let's use it as a teaching tool. Yeah. Now, uh, I made a little movie about it, and yep. maybe we could check we're, it out. We're going to catch this uh, video right now, and then I've got a political question for you right at the end. Check it out. Some of humanity's greatest stories took place on one road in the Holy Land, stretching along Israel's central mountain ridge. It's called Route 60, the biblical highway. The road begins in the south, in the desert city of Beersheba, named by the biblical forefathers Abraham and Isaac. Here, Abraham built an oasis to teach travelers the truth of one God. Next is Hebron. Here lies the ancestral burial cave purchased by Abraham 3,800 years ago and where the biblical forefathers and mothers were buried. Today, it is topped by a majestic 2,000-year-old edifice erected by King Herod. 3,000 years ago, King David made Hebron his first capital city, and here he was crowned king of Israel. 
Northwards is Bethlehem, where Jacob buried his beloved wife, the matriarch, Rachel. Bethlehem is also the setting for the Book of Ruth, the righteous Moabite convert and great-grandmother of King David, who was born and anointed here. Jerusalem, jewel in the heart of the Holy Land, and home to Mount Moriah, site of the binding of Isaac. The first and second temples stood here, the pride of two independent Jewish commonwealths. An ultimate symbol of the connection between man and God, Jerusalem is the spiritual capital of the world. Beit El. While fleeing from his brother Esau, Jacob came here and experienced a prophetic dream of a ladder connecting heaven and earth. Jacob named the place Beit El, House of God. Twenty years later, he would return with his wives and children and receive a new name, Israel. Shiloh, spiritual center for almost 400 years after the children of Israel entered the land. Here, the biblical Hannah prayed for a son and was answered with the birth of Samuel the prophet. Shechem. While congregated on the twin mountains of Grizim and Eval, the Jewish people received blessings and curses. Here, Joshua buried the bones of Joseph, carried to the land of Israel by the Jewish people during their sojourn from Egypt. The road continues north to the Gilboa Ridge and Jezreel Valley. Here on majestic Mount Tavor, the prophetess Dvorah sang a song of victory, and nearby the fearless Yael slew Sisra, commander of Hatzor's army. Here King Saul and his son Jonathan fell in battle, and in nearby Megiddo, the armies of Israel clashed with invaders. The biblical highway is an ancient road that brings the cities of the Bible and their stories to life, and it's reborn today as Israel's Route 60. The highway, the Holy Land, and the cities of the Bible are waiting for you, where your epic journey is about to begin. Is that nice? Did you like that movie? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. <laughs> you gotta, you, this is this fantastic. It was a lot of work. You, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be an incredible uh, movement that's, that's right. starting. And we're also about to talk about, uh, after the political question, uh, some political people. That's right. right. So the political question is, what do we do with the parts of the highway that the jihadists have already taken over? Right. There's, there's large swaths that are free and open, and they're great, and right. nobody should be afraid to travel them. So we're not right. going to tell you that you can't travel it, because most of the places are incredible, safer to drive than many highways in the rest of Israel, uh, safer than most highways in America, right? Um, in what sense? In, in, sense the, in the driving sense? In the driving sense, yeah. 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 Less, less, less people die in car wrecks here than, than a lot of other places in the world. But let's, let's talk about the specific zones that are cut off. Uh, maybe maybe the ones uh, that go through Shechem. We can't drive through there yet. Right. So maybe a part of this is going to bring some awareness to the nations that there's some jihadists that have closed down parts of the biblical highway. I wish it was only the jihadists, but sadly it's also the state of Israel itself has allowed... Yielded uh, to the... Yielded. Yeah. Th they created this idea, part, mm. uh, a government in the 90s created this idea that certain parts would be given away right. to the so-called Palestinian Authority. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think you're right when you call them jihadists because that's who's taking over... Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, the Palestinian Authority was always going to be jihadist since it was started by Yasser Arafat, one of the great jihadists and haters of, the, of, of Israel and, and right. a person who sought to destroy Israel. So yes, there are parts of the road that, that you have to bypass. There are bypasses. Mm -hmm. yep. There are bypasses around it, especially uh, in northern Samaria. You will not be able to go through Shechem, Shechem, and Janine. You'll have to bypass that. But there is a bypass. It is safe. It is good. The rest is open and free. Yep. Uh, and of course, though, through the love of this road, maybe one day congressional recognition of this road, certainly Israeli recognition of the importance of this road, uh, there'll be more mm -hmm. funding and more concern and more beautification. Before you come to Israel, you're going to download the uh, the Biblical Highway app. App, that's right. You're going to see the sites, right? We're going to have that's all right. of this. this is going to Absolutely. Be great. And you're going to, you're, and you're going to, you're going to make it, I want it to be that you're like, oh, I want to go to Masada and I want to do the Biblical Highway. That's going to be on the bucket I, I want list. it to be, it's just got to be a, a that's brand right. that's in your head. Okay, so most people think that we are just talking about this crazy idea and this is going to be great, but there's actually some really big political players that have laid out and agree with you in this idea. That's the right. Knesset has talked about, you've brought it up in Knesset to try to get this pushed through. There's also some big players in America, David Friedman, the former uh, U.S. ambassador to Israel, and uh, Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State. These two guys have created a film. Tell us about what they did, because you created the idea. You're the idea guy. We got the idea guy here with us right <laughs> now, uh, and now it's gone big, and it's about well, to go even bigger. As biblical folks say, 
you know, God put it on my heart. And then <laughs> he, right. he put it on my heart. He did. Uh, and uh, and it was through teaching Torah yeah. that this idea came around. Uh, David Friedman, uh, Ambassador David Friedman, uh, set out to make a movie mm-hmm. uh, with the folks at TBN. And he brought in uh, Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State. Yeah. And they went, they choppered from spot to spot on the biblical highway. Wow. And they made a video that is going, not a video, a movie, a, a feature-length film that is going to be shown in a thousand uh, movie theaters, I think wow. September 18th and 19th. Uh, and this movie is going to show you all the sites, uh, including for Christian folks, mm. um, uh, but the biblical sites, and they're they're going to be really showing you the connection to the land. Wow. And it's a beautiful film. They did great shooting. They took it very seriously. And and I'm telling the Israeli government, I'm like, look, Let's here's a it. movie. It's coming. We got to match. We got to make sure that we've got that naming done and all that kind of stuff. Because we're working on the political side as well. It's a kind of pincer yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. We got we got the American Good. and international folks' interest, and then we have the Israeli government underneath, and, and we're pushing together to recognize this highway. It's been a dream of mine for a long time, and uh, you know, I got a lobbyist, and we're working. Uh, but of course, it's really God's blessings. It's it's His. Story. It's God's right. story. It's the story of the Book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. It's the story uh, of the great of the great prophets and and the great r- route. This is the holy mountain. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. When yeah. you walk in this yeah. mountain, it, and as my friend Zev Ornstein from City of David says, you know, when when you when you when you're in the places that the Bible took place, that's when the Bible comes to life. Yeah. Uh, and so and so that's exactly what's happening. And we from, need more people from the nations to come to Israel and experience the Bible. Absolutely. That's well, going to help us. In a you lot know of ways. what? You know what? I don't know if we need it. I think they need it. You know <laughs> they I mean? need it. I think they need exactly it. You know, right, I, I think it's for them. I, you know, yeah. for I think I think yeah. and I've I got to tell you, Josh. So many times people stop me at the airport. Mm. They're like, "Are you from Israel? <laughs> like, can I just touch I a touch little you? bit? Can I? But not mm. touch you like this. Yeah, can no. I touch that Bible? One time, mm-hmm. one time, I was I was stuck and and this lady was helping me and she was looking at me funny the whole time. I already know the look, you know. <laughs> and she and she starts just asking me if I'm yeah. from Israel. And she started crying. This was during the COVID period. She said, I don't think I'll ever be able to make it to Israel. That's the way the world looked back then. I took out a coin of Abraham mm. that we that we made in Hebron. Yeah. I gave her this coin. I told her, you couldn't come to Abraham. Abraham came to you. I mean, she was a bucket of tears. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. People want it all People over do. the world. They want to yeah. connect to the Bible. Yeah. Let's give it to them. Yeah, yeah. And let's make a highway. Let's do it. Guys, it's actually happening. It was a dream for a long time. The, the, it's going to be in America. We're, you stay tuned because we're going to be talking about that on the show. I'm at, this is not going to go by. September coming around, uh, we're going to be talking about more about this incredible documentary. And we're going to be pushing forward uh, this project. And uh, But we'll keep all you guys in tune with that. Yishai, thanks for the idea, the inspiration. And look forward to traveling this uh, biblical highway Amen. more. Let's Amen. keep let's keep the teaching going. Let's keep the, uh, the the nations connected to this highway. We're going to be driving this highway. I can just imagine all the it's tours God's that highway, you're going to be you know? God's highway. You know? You're going to be teaching a lot of people on this uh, this biblical highway. You got a lot of people to come and see it. Appreciate it, you said. Thank you very much, James. Yeah. Thank you to the Israel guys. They are doing such a great job out there. Such a great job are they doing to to really promote the story of Israel with their great almost daily videos. Uh, and podcasts, they're doing a great job, and I'm very proud of them, and I'm proud to be associated with them. Before there was a temple, there was Joshua's altar. It is uh, a place uh, very near Shechem, in the Mount Eval, and right now, that's under attack. So while we're talking about the biblical highway, on the one hand, uh, the original Joshua's altar, which was set up when Joshua came into the land, is under attack by the Palestinian Authority and by uh, thug groups that want to destroy, destroy Jewish history. And so, Ben Bresky, our own beloved Ben Bresky, is on the scene. Actually, he's not on the scene, but he's telling us about the scene of the Joshua's altar, its understanding and its discovery and its importance to the Jewish people. Couldn't be a more important time, as we're talking about the biblical highway, to talk about Joshua's altar and defending it. Ben Bresky, take it away. This is a moment in Jewish history. Last week's Torah portion discussed the Jewish people receiving the blessings and curses on the Mount of Blessings, Har Grizim, and the Mount of Curses, Har Ival. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 29. And it will be when the Lord your God will bring you to the land to which you come to possess it, that you shall place those blessings upon Mount Grizim and those cursing upon Mount Ival. I was there, 
when I participated in a guided tour of the sites. I remember being told that today we were going to ascend to the Mount of Curses, and that it may be a steep and hot climb. Not understanding the significance of why we were going to see it, I asked, wouldn't it be better if we were to climb the Mount of Blessings instead? The tour guide replied, the Mount of Curses has a better view. He was right. We saw a panoramic strategic view of the Samaria region. As we got to a plateau, we saw an ancient stone structure and began touching it and climbing on it. Our tour guide started shouting at us, This has been here for 3,000 years until you tourists came and started touching everything. This has been identified as the Altar of Joshua, as described in Deuteronomy chapter 27, And it will be, when you cross the Jordan, that you shall set up these stones which I command you this day on Mount Eval, and you shall plaster them with lime. You shall build the altar of the Lord your God out of whole stones, and on it you shall offer up burnt offerings to the Lord your God. Joshua's altar is also described in the book of Joshua, chapter 8, verse 30. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel on Mount Eval. The archaeologist who discovered it was not a religious man and did not associate it with the biblical site, but the shape, the ramp, the location, and the dimensions led Professor Adam Zertal to believe it to be, in fact, the altar from Joshua. Found at the site were burnt animal bones, but only of kosher animals. I saw many shards of broken pottery, and I asked if they were important. Our tour guide replied, no, they were only about a thousand years old, and the really old stuff from three thousand years ago was already collected to study. Like many archaeological sites, the Mount Eval altar is disputed, and there are other archaeologists with alternative theories. When Professor Zertal first discovered it in 1980, it was half covered with dirt and ash. I saw a line on the stone walls indicating where the dirt had covered it before archaeologists dug it out. Other artifacts found there include pottery from the Iron Age, pieces of peeled plaster, ritual vessels including an incense vessel, thousands of kosher animal bones, two Egyptian earrings, and two scarabs that were dated to the last quarter of the 13th century, the time of Ramses II. Professor Zertal himself stated that he fought against the idea that it could be an altar, but decided it was after he exhausted every other possibility. He was born in Kibbutznik and grew up in Ein Shemer, the son of a leader in the socialist-leaning Hashomer Hatzair group. He wrote stories and screenplays and translated The Year by Virginia Woolf into Hebrew. Professor Zertal fought in the Six-Day War and the Yom Kippur War, where he was wounded by an Egyptian shell. He spent about a year in the hospital recovering and walked with crutches afterwards. Following his injury, he began to study archaeology. In addition to Mount Eval, he also excavated Sisera's town, Mount Manasha, and other ancient sites in Israel. He told the Jerusalem Post in 2010, Although I had argued that the Bible was full of myths, I decided after my recovery to travel the land by foot and look for archaeological evidence. I am a man of science and have to investigate whether what is described in the Bible suits geology. Nobody thought there was an altar on Mount Eval, but the evidence was found. It is not a legend. When you do archaeological research, as you should, you will see a lot of it is reality. Since then, many other discoveries have been unearthed on the site, such as a stone tablet discovered this year, 2023, with Hebrew words. The archaeologists who discovered it say it predates any previously known Hebrew inscription in Israel by at least 200 years, and say that the tablet, discovered on the Mount of Curses, is in fact a quote from Deuteronomy listing some of the curses. Every year in synagogue when we read this part of the Torah, I think about my trip. 
After visiting Mount Ival, the Mount of Curses, our group also visited the Mount of Blessings, where we met the Samaritans and visited the community of Har Bracha. But that is a story for another time. This has been a moment in Jewish history. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners, and Shalom. All right, Ben, that was fabulous and important and so important. And there are really good people fighting, like Aaron Lipkin, who is uh, head of a tour agency and is fighting for um, fighting for uh, Joshua's altar and my good friend Jake. He's on the case as well, and many friends. I was I was literally in a lounge at the airport at six in the morning on a Zoom call talking about uh, how to protect Joshua's altar, and a lot of my friends are on it. The good land of Israel needs to be uh, seen, and the way to do it is with uh, Kaplan Custom Tours. They do a great job of taking you, uh, showing you uh, what to really do in the land by giving you fabulous uh, itineraries uh, and building and overseeing every detail of your trip. So check out uh, Kaplan Custom Tours by emailing mokaplan at gmail.com, mokaplan at gmail.com. That's very important, absolutely. Uh, And then also, uh, who else did we not mention? We mentioned all our good friends. We mentioned Prohibition Pickle and Retro Watch Guy and JNS and Jewish Press. But we didn't mention Hebron, the Jewish community of Hebron. Of course, also on the biblical highway, uh, the Jewish community of Hebron, where I have the great honor of being the spokesman, international spokesman of. And we are building Hebron, and the the biggest vehicle for that is the Hebron Fund, hebronfund.org. Uh, so join us in defending the uh, heart of the Jewish land, which is Hebron, and then go to the heights of the Jewish land by going up to the Temple Mount, highonthehar.com, a proud sponsor of the Yishai Fleischer Show, and we're proud to talk about going up on the Temple Mount. Yes, without embarrassment or without fear, it is one of the greatest uh, uh, spiritual heights you can attain by going to the Temple Mount, only going to be surpassed by going to the actual Temple in the very same place, in the very same place. And very finally... Uh, we're talking very high, but we got to bring it low. You got to bring your money into the land. You need a great uh, money transfer guy. Change 86. They're called the dark currencies. Yossi change 86 at gmail.com. Yossi, Y-O-S-S-I, change 86 at gmail.com. They will help you bring your money to the Holy Land. And speaking of money, uh, thank you very much for all your support. I do love you so much. Thank you to the folks this week that gave uh, through uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash yishai. Like my good friend Stephen, uh, who bought a beautiful batch of coffees and keeping us up spiritually. Thank you much, Stephen, your good friend, and Krista, and many others who give through. Uh, buy me a coffee, forward slash yishai.com. No, buy me a coffee.com forward slash yishai. Okay, folks, I'm here in Texas. It's not the Holy Land, but it is also has a lot of holiness in it and a lot of seeking and searching for spirituality. So please send me a blessing. We'll be able to. Uh, get uh, that our mouth will speak properly, that I'll get asleep tonight and get up in the morning and, and rock and give people some, uh, some emotional uh, connection to the story of the land of Israel and God's ingathering of the land. And uh, we have a Torah portion called Nitzavim. We're coming to the end of the Torah of the five books of Moses. As the Sukkot approaches, that means that we're finishing up. And the first words are, Atem Nitzavim Kulchem, you are all standing before God. Uh, but I like to say kulchem doesn't mean just all of you as in plural people, but all of you, all of you individually, your whole being. You're good, you're bad, and you're ugly, you're the, the, your toes and your nose and all the stuff. Kulchem, like your whole thing stands before God. And that's really one of the great uh, teachings of Judaism, which is that it's not um, a piece of you, you know, the one that shows up to religion, uh, organized religion, which is serving God. you got to serve God, enjoy throughout uh, your whole being. Um, uh, and with your good side and with your bad side, find a way to uh, use your even your yetzer hara, your bad inclination to serve God. Uh, find a way to, to, to utilize every part of yourself to serve God. And that, my friends, is what I have to say to you today, other than to thank you, Chavit Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, and Lou for getting the show out to the world. And I'm sending you lots of love from Texas, 
And wherever I go, I go to the land of Israel, said Rabbi Nachman, and I want to say that myself as well. And may Hashem continue to uh, direct us and give us guidance. But at the same time, uh, let us not wait just for guidance, but let us also show God that we have faith to walk in front of Him and to be and to be humble and to be whole and to lead the charge towards making a better world. I want to wish you guys lots of blessings and lots of love and ask for those blessings right back. And may we be able to do Kiddush Hashem. And soon, soon, may we all stand in front of God and remember that it's almost Sukkot, which is a time where Jews and Gentiles are all commanded to come and praise and serve the God of Israel in Yerushalayim. God bless you folks wherever you are. Lots of love and shalom.